0: Welcome to the Verbatim Word Podcast, where we find biblical truth in a daily context. I'm Justin Gary. In the last episode, we were examining Psalm 19 and looking at the cause and effect relationship that the Word of God can have in our lives. That it can convert the soul, that it can make wise the simple, that it can enlighten the eyes. Today, we're going to jump right back in where we left off. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Psalm 19, that's where we'll be today. In addition to converting the soul and making wise the simple and enlightening the eyes, David also wrote in Psalm 19 about another powerful component of God's word. In verse 9, he writes this The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Now, when he's talking about the fear of the Lord there, I believe he's still talking about the scriptures in context of everything that he had received from the forefathers. He says there, though, that, that the fear of the Lord or the word of the Lord is clean. Now, the word there means to be physically, ceremonially, or chemically pure. Nothing mixed in with it. But it can also mean just that. It can mean clean. We live in a world right now with a new motto. Wash your hands and don't touch your face. There's even tutorials online about how to properly wash your hands. And this is good in order to save lives. This cleanliness, though, is a trait of God's word that allowed it to endure forever. There was nothing corruptible in it nothing that would cause it to unravel, nothing that would cause it to disintegrate from the inside out, nothing that would cause it to grow sick and become powerless and ineffective. It endured the test of time. No matter how corrupt the world became, it did not lessen in its purity. God's word does not change. God's word does not adjust God's word does not adapt to the temperature of the world around it. It endures forever, just like it was always meant to be in its purest form. It became for David the standard he could always return to. And as a leader of a nation, he let it dictate how he ruled and did not let the impure, unclean tendencies of the world around him influence what he was doing as king and as a man. When we read, it is like washing that takes place. The word of God purifies and cleans our thoughts, our minds, our hearts, our words, even our actions. So we should bathe in it regularly. In addition to the cleanliness and pureness that God's word had, David also wrote in Psalm 19 about how valuable and how life-giving God's word was. The next scripture says, More to be desired are they, the scriptures, than gold. Yeah, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Two things here I want to look at. First thing. For a king who had a lot of wealth, David said he'd give up the gold for the word of God. That means a lot coming from a guy who, ha- who was beyond financially stable. He would give up valuable things in order to have God's word, because his life was richer with God's word. Which brings us to a point. It does take sacrifice sometimes to get into God's word. You may need to sacrifice things you consider valuable to experience the full value of the scriptures. Maybe a simple sacrifice, like getting up 15 minutes earlier, or taking your lunch break alone in your office, or not streaming the next on-demand episode. But the sacrifice is always blessed when you place God's word at high value. Prior to my senior year in college, I had been on short-term mission trips to Europe. And on the first one that I went to, we did some work in a country called Slovenia, which is former Yugoslavia. And some exciting things happened there amongst the youth that we met. A small group of them got excited to learn God's word, and we were looking for a church where they could really fellowship and learn and and grow. And I remember I was graduated from college. I had finished my degree. I had a job even in my field in journalism, but I was worn out. After four years of study and college activities, I was worn out. And there was a group of people on the other side of the world hungry for God's word. So that last year of college, that last semester, there was things stirring up within me. There was this desire to leave everything that I had, everything that was on my trajectory, even just for a short period of time, and to one, go and study the Bible for myself that I thought would be for just a semester. And I take a gap year for some R&R, maybe travel a bit, but just to kind of refresh myself in God's word. But the second thing would to be go and help my finds and go and help my friends in Slovenia get a church started and that would meet their needs. But both of these things required a sacrifice of valuable things. Reason would argue that you don't just leave college with a job in hand and quit to go to the other side of the world. What about securing your future? What about building up some savings? But with the promptings and also encouragement from other people, I took the step and I had money for one semester to live overseas to go to this Bible college. And I thought that would be long enough. Guys, I ended up being there for 14 years and my life took a whole different turn. And as I learned to love God's word when I was there and I got to be part of a starting a church that is still teaching God's word today. Can I be encouraging you to be willing to sacrifice for God's word? Maybe it is just a few minutes earlier in your day or putting away temporal distractions or finding a small group or church that teaches you in a way that you can receive. Whatever it costs you, you'll find more value in it. My wife was telling me about a documentary that I want to see, and it was about kids in different places in the world who are getting to school and how they would sacrifice and walk miles or over dangerous terrain or through different areas, hours getting to school to get an education because that education could change their lives. And we joke because we're school teachers right now and we don't see the same drive in in our students in the first world that we see in this documentary of of students in the third world. But I wish that we would have the same drive to sacrifice for his word. That same hunger that says, I just need to get to it no matter what it takes. Now, in that same verse there, in addition to David saying God's word is more valuable than gold. here's the second thing. He says God's word is sweet and it brings life and it brings energy. He compares it to the honey and the the honeycomb. The honey and the honeycomb were a a simple energy. It was a quick burst of energy. This was the energy drink of those times, the monster drink of of those days. And David as a soldier, how often he needed strength for the battle. As a king, how often he felt drained by the demands of life, the stress of the decisions, the weight of responsibility. But David said that God's word always revived and gave him new strength to endure. I mentioned that I was kind of worn out when I graduated from college, and my own faith had really moved in a powerful direction when I jumped into the Word. So when I moved to Europe, I committed to a semester of Bible college. It was Calvary Chapel Bible College Europe, which was in Austria at the time, and I had not attended a Calvary Chapel before. And so for those of you who are not familiar with Calvary Chapel, like I was not familiar with Calvary Chapel, there is a clear emphasis on the teaching of the Word of God. And the program at the school was pretty much teach the Bible. I remember my classes that I took those two years. The classes were classes like Romans, Revelation, Genesis, Hebrews. Jesus was still Mobeda, Even topical classes that we had like missions. It was actually a study through the book of Acts as we looked at to see how the first missionaries, the apostles, did missions. And that was our model. I had a discipleship class. Well, for the discipleship class, we studied the gospel of Mark to see how Jesus enlisted 12 men and trained them up as ambassadors for the kingdom to take his message forward. We did not just learn the Bible, we also memorized the Bible. I remember memorizing scriptures from the book of Hebrews. I remember in a pastoral ministry class, we memorized Psalm 23. And I can still recall many of those verses today because they are hidden in my heart. The Bible was pretty much what we studied. And though I committed for a semester within weeks, I was being revived. There was areas of my heart and faith and desire for God that were revived. It was like honey and the honeycomb. It was sweet. It brought life. Now that along with all that started in Slovenia at the time, I did my two years there. And the whole time the emphasis was teach the Bible. Now, in addition to the live classes at the school I went to, we had an Old Testament and New Testament survey class by Pastor Chuck Smith of Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa. Now, these were on cassette tape, and we had to listen to about six a week, one every single day, one day off. And I started in the Old Testament, so that was six per week. And we started in Genesis 1-1, and we went through the Bible, line by line, verse by verse some of these cassettes were pretty long 90 minutes two hours even one of them i remember and we we used these cassettes and they they took some time and pastor chuck smith spoke a little slowly so we even bought um tape players that would have speed adjustments so we could speed them up and and listen to them go a little bit quicker and pastor chuck sounded like a chipmunk sometimes in high speed but i remember going through that and it was profound i remember at first i would do other things while i was listening to these teachings i would do chores i would do laundry But I found myself often stopping as I listened to focus and not miss a point that he was making because the word was coming to life. And I started seeing the whole Bible in context for the first time, seeing the Old Testament and the New Testament begin to fit together. Something I hadn't seen before as on my on-demand approach and my on-demand attitude, I was just picking and choosing where in the scriptures I thought was relevant to my life at the time. I begin to see that the call of Abraham and the Jewish nation and the tabernacle, these principles that would be fulfilled in the New Testament in Jesus. And the word came alive, which is what the Bible says about itself, doesn't it? Have you ever sat in church or heard the Bible taught and it just pierces you? Maybe listen to a, a podcast or a teaching and it's just the right thing at the right time. Like the pastor or the teacher or the passage of scripture was meant for you at that very moment. It's alive. And it's almost uncomfortable to hear because it's getting you inside of you and, it, and it's just piercing through you. That's what the scripture says. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, it says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. What else? It says that the scriptures make us profitable and matures us and prepares us to be used. Paul wrote to his apprentice Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, he wrote, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I was so thankful for my teachers at the Bible College who emphasized the teaching of the word of God in our training to prepare us to go on the mission field. How rich of a foundation it was. The word of God is valuable to us. Psalm one nineteen verse seventy two says, "The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver." I am so thankful for those who teach the word of God. My church that I went to as an early teach uh, as a teenager that was teaching us um, the book of Hebrews and was teaching us the book of Daniel in kind of unconventional ways. Pastors like Chuck Smith that I got to listen to, or teachers like Jay Vernon McGee. Maybe you have a pastor or a church that just goes through the Bible. The Lord bless you. You're in a good place. It's fruitful and it just lets the word fall and it does its work. One more thing we find in Psalm 19 that David wrote towards the end. He noticed about the scripture this in verse 11 and in keeping them, there is great reward. David had seen that whenever he sought God's word and he applied it, there was great reward. There were good prizes. And whenever he did it his own way, It was a total failure. Anything we do in our own leading initiative or wisdom, the results may vary. But when we seek the word of God and obey it, there is great reward. I mentioned those tapes that we listened to at Bible College, and I remember on one hearing Pastor Chuck Smith tell his story. He had pastored for a number of years, and his denomination moved them every two years or so. So he had about two years worth of sermons prepared, and just about the time he got done with his series of two years of sermons, they would be moved once again. And then Pastor Chuck found himself in Southern California in Costa Mesa. And while the church ministry was blessed, the surf, in his opinion, was also blessed too there in Costa Mesa. So he ended up staying beyond his two years because he wanted to keep surfing, if I remember the story correctly. The problem then was that he was running out of sermons. He had two years already done, and he had gone through them all. So he started teaching through the Bible, one book at a time, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And he's not the only church to do so, but he became a defining characteristic of his church at Calvary Chapel and the movement that came from that. So when I moved on to the mission field after Bible College, which was the Calvary Chapel Bible College, I went to church plant in Slovenia. And I simply used Pastor Chuck's model, just teaching the Bible. And that became the foundation for that ministry. 14 years I spent over there, and we taught through the scriptures. Early on, it was all young people in the church. In fact, I was the oldest person in the congregation, and I was 24 years old. We had no idea what we were doing, but we had the Bible and we had the Holy Spirit. Predominantly, it was a group of teenagers and college students. And so we just started a Bible study. We had no building to meet in. On Sunday morning, we met on the hill overlooking the city, sat on blankets there in the field, and we studied the book of John. And I remember it was the middle of summer, and the teens were kind of bored at the time. This was when cell phones were not yet smart. Um, few of us had internet at home, even dial-up. So we met daily on that hill just to go through the scriptures. We started on gen- in Genesis, which kind of laid a foundation for everything. Lots of practical application in the book of Genesis. When we got through the book of Genesis, we moved into the book of Exodus. Exodus, there's some good stories and there's some good application. But then after Exodus, we moved into Leviticus, and then we moved into Numbers, and then we moved into Deuteronomy. And here I was in the middle of summer, totally hot, sitting on the blanket outside every afternoon, and we were going through the five books of Moses, the law. The interesting thing, though, we always found something to talk about and always found something to apply to our lives. I was there for 14 years. It was some of the best times of my life. Some of my greatest friends are there. It was amazing ministry. A church was planted and the Slovenian people who loved and knew the word of God were able to take it forward. In the meantime, I met my wife, Erin, and God showed us after a few years that it was time for us to return to the United States. So we moved back to the United States. Now, I had mentioned earlier that I moved away right after college. My whole adult life had been over there in Europe. So now I come back as an adult, and the Lord calls us into teaching. So we come to Oklahoma, where we become public school teachers. So I find myself in Oklahoma via Slovenia, a boy from Hawaii, a public school teacher. And I had heard of something called the Bible Belt. Well, I landed on the buckle of the Bible Belt. To me, that's what Oklahoma was. I'd never been in a place where there were so many churches and there seemed to be so many Christians and so many people who had a foundation in the things of God. Now there at the school, we were there as teachers. We did have a lot of freedom and open doors as our roles as FCA sponsors there at the school. We had a ride and an open door to help the students facilitate Bible studies and things like that. And yet the more time we spent here in the Bible Belt, we realized there was lots of students who loved Jesus. But there was a lot of students who didn't fully know what they believed and why they believed it. I remember meeting with a small group one day before school, before um, we were on contract, and we started in the book of James. And as we went through the book of James, we started there in the first verses, and it says very early on, to the 12 tribes who are scattered abroad. And so I simply just stopped and said, so these 12 tribes, does this sound familiar? Who are we talking about here? Who was James writing this book to? And I was kind of surprised because I was met with some blanks, some blank stares. Now, maybe it was because it was before school. So it was a little early for these teenage minds. But... As we dug a little bit deeper, I seemed to realize that the word was part of their environment that they'd grown up in, but a lot of them had trouble symph- synthesizing all that they had heard and didn't have a firm foundation in the books of the Bible and understanding the whole thing in context. So this became kind of a concern to me because of the implications of this. Teaching teenagers, I realized that they would soon be going off to college and the world would challenge them on what they believed and why they believed it. And without a firm biblical foundation, I began to wonder, will they make it? I was driving home recently and listening to a teaching on Bot Radio, Network, Net, uh, Bot Radio Network, which comes on in our area, and Chip Ingram was teaching. And he said something like, 70% of Christian youth won't be in church anymore by the time they are 25 years old. 70%. I almost had a pullover. That is a huge number. And the church is aware of this today. Most churches are doing all that they can to reach young adults. A friend of mine at work recently who was a children's director for years is now moving to the young adults ministry because in many churches there are no young adults and they need to be given a foundation in the word of God. In an on-demand generation, I am convinced there's a need now more than ever to get back to a solid foundation of the Word of God, the Bible. Not the tricks and the gimmicks to keep people excited about their faith in Jesus, but it's the Word of God. And just so you don't misunderstand me, this is not a generational issue. The schedules and responsibilities of life, the norms of society and culture, even the dynamic and phases of life can push us further from the Word of God. It can be something simple that makes you realize it. In Slovenia, before we had smartphones, I used to carry around in my pocket with me at all times a small little Gideon pocket, uh, Gideon Bible New Testament, and I found so much time to read it. Throughout my day, if I was waiting in a cafe to meet with someone, before they showed up, I could pull out my Bible and read a couple verses. If I was in the waiting room at the doctor's office, I just would always grab my Bible and read something. If I was taking a walk and it was nice out and I found a few minutes I'd sit in the sun, I found so many opportunities throughout my day to just simply pull it out and read the Word of God. Then I moved back to the US and I had a smartphone and the smartphones got smarter and smarter. And suddenly, whenever I find myself with a few moments of downtime, There's a video on YouTube to watch or an email that I can respond to or a headline to read. Now, all of these are fine and good and even important, but I can honestly see a correlation between that small Bible that I used to keep in my pocket and the cell phone that's now in my pocket and my Bible reading. There's a correlation between the two. And yes, I know there are Bible apps. Good, please use them. Download one today. My point is not that the pocket sized Gideon Bibles are better than cell phones. My point is that the world, the culture, the demands of life are all working against us to be people of the word. The Lord in the Old Testament spoke through the prophet Amos. He was a shepherd who was moonlighting as a prophet before being an Old Testament prophet was a thing. He was one of the first. And he prophesied about the northern part of Israel being overthrown because they had stopped listening to God. He said in Amos chapter eight, verse 11, "'Behold, the days are coming,' says the Lord God, "'that I will send a famine on the land, "'not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, "'but of hearing the words of the Lord.'" This certainly applied in Amos's day but I think also describes our world today. A famine of the Word of God. Even though it is everywhere, there are so many churches, there's so much online teaching, people are still hungry for the Word of God. So that's what we are about here on Verbatim Word, Biblical Truth in a Daily Context. This podcast is my own journey to dive in and come through the Word of God in this day and age. And I would love to take this journey together with you. So Lord, it's our prayer that you would open our eyes that we might marvel and wonder. It's our prayer that you would make us wise and help us to find application to apply what we know. Lord, it's our prayer that you would enlighten us, even in situations in our life right now. May they become clearer as we seek direction and understanding in the Bible. Lord, we ask that you would show us the value and nudge us by the Holy Spirit to lay aside things of lesser value for the gold of your word. Lord, we ask that you would renew us, renew our families, renew our churches, renew our nations, stir up a hunger for a word in a generation and a world that desperately needs it. Feed us in this time of famine. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Verbatim Word. And now I think it is kind of ironic because in these introductory episodes, they were pretty much topical teachings. Because on Verbatim Word, we plan to go through the scripture chapter by chapter, verse by verse and find application and topics as we go. So join us in the next episode as we will walk through a book of the Bible together, which if you haven't done before, it's a great way to learn how to study your Bible and what to look for and and what to see as you go through it on your own. So please join us then Until then, take care and God bless you.